Hi, I'm Varathane. I wanted to let everyone know that the Kickstarter for my webcomic Witchwood is launching soon, and if you'd like to get your hands on the first volume of my uh, science fiction slash fantasy slash post-apocalypse adventure comic in print, pre-orders will be opening in March. Go to witchwoodcomic.com for more information. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Screen Tones, a webcomic podcast where we talk anything and everything webcomics. Today we're going to be talking uh, in a little jam session about drawing exercises and fundamentals. I'm Rennie, I use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomic Kate Blast. I'm Ray, and I use they, them pronouns, and I make the webcomics on Empyrean High and Overlord of Ravenfell. And I'm Varathane, I use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomics Tyralt and Witchwood. So if you're just starting out making a comic, or even if you've just been doing it for a while, it's a great idea to incorporate drawing exercises into your schedule on a regular basis. It keeps us in touch with the fundamentals of perspective, anatomy, color theory, and all that good structural stuff that really gives our visuals the impact that we want. And it helps us avoid the distracting mistakes that we don't want. So let's get into our favorites and recommendations. So what kinds of exercises do you to practice and what are some good resources for those practices see i would say that figure drawing is probably really vital to webcomic making since usually people are the focus of it i personally use just like either clip studio poses to make some challenge out of perspective or i use a website called line of action that refers to the animation term line of action where you can get the flow of the motion. And I tend to find that really good as a digital alternative to a figure drawing class that you might not be able to afford or be able to go to in person. I also tend to do a lot of self-study and online tutorials for something that's my focus at the time. Like for On Empyrean High, I wanted to get better at pushing my boundaries for color. And in that regards, I tend to do cool colors and I wanted to push into a bit more into warm. So I would go and self-study a lot on gradient maps and see how my artwork would look in different kinds of colors and then try to paint something with those colors the next time that I did something. Um, There's no real like linear way to work with it. I would also say that when you're using a new tool, I love to see 
like all the kinds of ranges that you can get get with it and that usually includes the boring stuff like coloring cubes and triangles and doing gradients and stuff like that with the tool that you are thinking of using and that way you don't have like a gajillion downloaded brushes in your csp file like i used to <laughs> the uh the the notes about colors are interesting because i've seen all kinds of funky exercises that you can do to kind of analyze the colors in pictures that you see and one of my favorite little like uh quick games to play i feel like i've never incorporated this into my actual work but i've always wanted to is uh to get a quick color palette that can be appealing is find a photograph where you really love the colors and lighting in it and using uh photoshop is the software that i know clip studio might have something like this too but use the mosaic filter on it at like a really high setting and it'll it'll reduce the whole the entire color palette of the photograph into like five or ten swatches of like pure colors that kind of match the palette of the overall image and it's kind of a neat way of looking at something that like with a photo it can be overwhelming how many colors are in it but then just instantly you could be like oh it's like this nice like peachy peachy color and a teal and then a darker green and all that and then you could kind of use those to to build up a new image um when it comes to my own art and the practice that i do I do try to do life drawing weekly. There's a group that organizes in my area where every every week it'll be hosted at a different member's house. And uh, they're very active about finding models to pose for the group, which is all free. People, the, the models are basically paid in snacks and getting to hang out with a bunch of nerdy artists and seeing themselves getting drawn. And it's not like, it's definitely super like unofficial pretty casual in terms of vibe but it's a it's a great regular thing to for me to attend and kind of keep practicing that like looking at like how people look from different angles and in different poses and like they'll often have like cool clothing on so you can figure out like the way fabric drapes and stuff if they're I mean, this is obviously something like I, I live in a pretty large city. This is the kind of thing that might not be accessible uh, in other places. But there are often like schools and things. And I definitely recommend taking at least one kind of formal life drawing class, even if it's an online one at some point, uh, just to just to get a sense of like the basics and going through the poses and stuff. When it comes to online resources, um, there is a website called Pose Maniacs, which uses 3D stuff. And it has like a game on it where you can set it to like 30 second poses and then one minute long poses. And it, it can go through basically an entire session of like changing up the pose regularly. And uh, I find that fast poses are really helpful for like for really forcing you to figure out which part of the, the pose is like the most important thing to nail down immediately like so you don't get caught up in the details because you only have 30 seconds you can really only draw like maybe like the line of the back the hips the legs and like are the arms up or down here's a circle for the head but doing a lot of that will kind of help you get faster and faster at like nailing down like the action and selling what's happening, which is something that's important for any like comic or narrative work. Um, another another fun online resources to look at is Senshi Stock, which is, it, it's a collection of stock photos, but there's so many poses and just like browsing through them is so, 
it's great. <laughs> like, I feel like if you're having trouble with a pose and you can't like make it yourself in the mirror or get a friend to do it for you, like going through their galleries and seeing if there's something that's close is a really good way to see like how how that might actually look in space. And they, I know they recently rebranded to a Dorkastock, which is great. And they have a, a sketch site that similarly has that timer that you can set to multiple different things. And they just they just have a wealth of just great figures to study. And from all different poses, I know they like to go out, go out in the world and like use trampolines and like mattresses and get like weird angles. It, it's great. They, they're, they're awesome. I think they did a series like the, the, the two that impressed me the most were the one that was like uh, poses taken underwater. So yeah! like, models were weightless. And then oh my the other God. one it was through glass so you could get these crazy angles like completely below but from like two meters underneath and stuff like that yeah it's it's really good really cool yeah i also like the figure figure drawing is just in general a really great a number one practice for you to incorporate in another great resource for studying anatomy is this book it's from the 1920s it's constructive anatomy by george bridgman it's really ancient but it's got tons of diagrams and information on how various different muscle groups interact when you're drawing them how poses work and even though it's like a hundred years old it still holds up and it's a great resource to just flip through like like boy i'm really struggling drawing elbows and you can just dive right in and it's i mean it's 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 a really good resource for high detail and that's the other thing to to think about too is when you're doing fundamental studies is everyone always has that moment where they're like well i don't really want to draw realism i draw more cartoony or i draw anime so i got to study that and it really comes down to you have to really study the basics of human form whether it's realistic or not you got to really get the realism down before you can sort of break it down into your own stylized version I think one resource that's really good for that particular part is a Twitter account called Manga Materials. They do like a really nice breakdown on their personal anatomy studies and why some things for that get stylized often look weird and ways to make it look more natural. So, I love that Twitter account, yeah. Yeah, I would really recommend giving that one a look if you are trying to stylize something and you're going, eh, that doesn't look quite right. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You really, it, it, it's great that there's just so many resources online too, because as Thane said, like I am also, I also get the benefit of living in a, in a big city. So I'm able to go and take maybe a class or two a year over at the Museum of Fine Arts or at one of the other local community colleges. But um, there's all these resources online or in book form that you can uh, obtain that are just really good to have to like, you know, sort of help with that. The other resource I really like having a physical form to sort of talk about the comics making process specifically is the, the Making Comics series by Scott McLeod is a fantastic little resource for talking about, you know, panels and perspectives, specifically from a comics perspective. 
So how do we distinguish between art that's breaking the rules for stylistic purposes and art that's breaking the rules in a distracting way that maybe we need to practice? I feel like this one is always going to be kind of subjective because my personal answer is like, if it distracts me, (laughs) I know that that's just kind of a very like, well, the definition of this word. Um, But uh, really, I think what it what it comes down to in comics specifically, because, of course, we are talking about comics, uh, is that if it gets in the way of the reader understanding what's happening or if they can't focus on like the intended tone of the story like if you're trying to tell like a really dramatic and serious story but like maybe the character expressions are just looking goofy and it's hard to pin down why but it kind of wrecks the mood that you're trying to sell then I would say that that is definitely like that's something that practice is going to have to come into play to to help address uh because it is definitely you can convey a whole story like and it can go totally well with like art that might seem kind of rough or unpolished or whatever but it still has to communicate what you want it to the creator and that's where practice can really can really help uh at least for specific things and it's interesting because you can see that a lot in uh, comics and manga where the creator definitely has a strong grasp on anatomy and on the drawing fundamentals. And then they get into a silly s- uh, scene and they just draw like noodle arms and like every- everything's all broken, and, and, and but it still looks like it belongs in that comic. And a lot of that just comes from the practice because they've had practice and they know, okay, here's how I can break the rules and have this pool noodle looking thing still look like an arm and have everyone recognize it. Um, Because if you've tried drawing in that like noodly style, it's hard to get it right. (laughs) It really is surprisingly hard to draw like a, a good even those super silly like TVs and stuff and a lot of manga, like they can look very just awkward and it's hard to pin down with a, so I feel like it's a bit of a cliched phrase, but like you have to know the rules before you can break them. Absolutely. To some extent, this doesn't mean like everybody needs to go out and get a bachelor's of fine art or something, but like spend a bit of time figuring out what things actually look like when you look at them for real. Uh, instead of only reading other cartoons and seeing how other people have simplified things and not actually going back to like what those things look like for real so that you can find your own take on them. Oh, absolutely. It's really uh, hard to uh, to get into that because that just takes time and that can be very hard for people too. So <laughs> there's all these weird little, like um, I've, I've, been doing design work for props and things like that a lot as kind of my full-time occupation now and this means a lot of like looking up references of things like jars and doorknobs and like megaphones and stuff like that and often the way I would draw that thing before I look at a reference 
is going to be pretty whack after I actually look at a reference and draw it out. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that there was like this attachment here. And like, oh, it's got like these extra lines. And like, no, that's how those pieces fit together. Just little things that when I'm going in and drawing them, like for my own comic, uh, maybe I'll decide to leave those things out anyway. But knowing how the actual thing functions can help me kind of build a mental library of those objects or character designs or costume pieces or whatever in my mind and then it's easier for me to draw them in the future that is undoubtedly good advice i always tend to draw things a lot better if i know why they are the shapes that they are and it really does help even if you don't draw the thing you at least know the function I find for me, I'm kind of like Thane. If it's distracting, then it's distracting. But overall, I try to view comics as a whole. And it really depends on if it breaks immersion for me in the actual storytelling. If it's just like, a, oh, this person drew six fingers on this character in the background, I'm not going to really care but if you have this super cool zoom up of this character doing an action pose and they have six fingers, that might be a little bit distracting for me. And their hand is like right up in the camera. <laughs> Zoomed in. And it looks like one of those AI drawings. <laughs> if it's not the Princess Bride, we don't need six fingers. Um, Intend your six fingers. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I find it that as long as you're clearly telling the story for a comic I don't really particularly care how polished artwork is but you do need at least some illustration overlap to be able to tell a visual story clearly absolutely and I think that the, one of the things that comes with a lot of the fundamentals practices is like when you've done those enough then you can go back to those same studies and go, okay, how do I now translate this into my style? And you have to really think about it with intention. And you can't really do that from the start too. So that's where going in, doing, you know, one or tw once or twice a week doing these studies and then helps you build that bank of information that you can dip back into when you're having like an artistic block or if you're struggling, it's a lot easier to figure out what's going on when you have that structure in your approach. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for the last question that uh, we have in this episode, uh, what is your advice to people who are struggling or might be reluctant to take time out of their busy comic page drawing schedule to practice things on the side? My first thing is, just, just slow down because when you rush through trying to, because I know webcomics is a long game. You're playing the long game when you start a, a webcomic. So if you're looking for, for something fast that you can get done in three weeks, maybe pick a different thing than a webcomic. But when, with webcomics, you have that time as a benefit because then you can be like, okay, I can, you know, pick a, like, just pick a day and be like, okay, this is my studies day of the week where I don't touch the comic. This is just when I draw for myself or do figure studies or 
I'm going to study how to do a limited color palette. Um, and you just make it, once you make it part of your routine, it becomes part of a practice. Um, the other way that to really help that become a part of your routine is to grab a couple friends to do it with, like, like Thane was saying with their figure drawing or like join a class, you know, a lot of local libraries will also do figure drawing, maybe not on a weekly basis, but like, if you see it coming up, sign up for it or drink and draws are a great place, you know, sort of go in and practice fundamentals in a lighthearted setting uh, with other people. So Definitely getting people involved in your process helps, you know, because, you know, it's a lot easier to go to, the, like, say, go to the gym if you have a gym buddy. So it's the same thing with drawing practice. For me, I'm all about multitasking. Want to push color? Well, maybe try that next scene to push your color and just make that entire scene a challenge for you. Or want to do figure drawing? Well, don't put too much detail in it and then make it your character later. I actually did that quite a bit when I was taking in-person figure drawing classes. Or, you know, want to practice expressions? Well, you can always make a bank of character expressions you can sneak into panels later. And that will be less drawing for you to do in the long run as well. So... I'm of the mind that no practice that you do is necessarily a waste in general, but if you can save yourself some work or multitask in some sort of manner, then definitely go for it. And in my opinion, webcomics in general are supposed to be for experimentation anyway. So even if you like want to drastically change styles for like an April Fool's or joke or something, just go for it. Honestly, my approach boils down to I just find ways to trick myself into into wanting to do it. Uh, <laughs> Artistic <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Um, I like the life drawing thing. It's absolutely become like a social thing for me where like I look forward just to kind of spending time with the group. Uh, but outside of that specific context, like in among other groups of friends online and stuff, sometimes we'll organize like little life drawing sessions, like just among us, like uh, a few years ago, I think it was when the Winter Olympics was happening and Yuri on Ice had like recently come out. And I have a friend who's extremely into figure skating. And uh, a bunch of my friends, like, we're all, <laughs> I'm friends with a lot of artists for some reason. I don't know how this happened. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, had a, we had an evening where we got skating videos, and we would watch the videos, and we would freeze frame the skaters, and then we'd all sketch the skaters in the poses that they were doing. Because, like, if you actually, like, if you watch figure skating, they make some incredible position like and you only really see these if you're pausing it because when they're in motion it all kinds of flows together but like they're extremely like flexible and like they look really dynamic even in still frames so I have like sketchbook pages that are full of these figure skaters and it didn't feel like work because I was just spending that evening like hanging out with my friends and we were all having fun like laughing and joking about it so getting things like that together with buds like uh the spider forest collective has been organizing these uh, regular like 
life drawing sessions that are just held in the public part of the discord server where someone will stream like pictures of I, they've done sessions about horses and different animals and stuff like that and then like action poses and all kinds of fun things like that so joining joining in some group activity like that it can be extremely chill and casual and free it can be just your friends or it can be like a group that you kind of pop into and then pop out of after the session like no no pressure or anything but like stuff like that is great to look into and the other benefit of doing it with a group too is that it can remove some weight that you can put on yourself because i know sometimes when i'm doing studies and i'm just by myself um, I'm a lot more critical of what I'm making and uh, I get into more of a mindset where I'm like, oh, well, this has to be perfect. And then I lose sight of figure drawing is best when you're studying it and you're going through it and you're just, and it's loose. Uh, so doing it with friends can really help you sort of relax your shoulders and sort of breathe a little easier and have more fun doing it. And that'll just help you in the long run. It's also very fun in groups because like uh, I mean depending on the group sometimes people don't like share what they're doing but very often people will also be sharing what they're doing and you can see how other people are kind of salt like solving the same visual problem so to speak like how do they handle their lines when you're all drawing the same thing it can be really informative and kind of help you kind of pick apart some stuff in your own style just to see like we're both looking at the same thing literally in this case and they drew it completely differently, but like, but how did they draw it differently? How did they, like, how many lines did they use to draw the face? How did they render the nose? Like all these little things like that. Um, another thing that I like to do, I am terrible at using references as I actually work on comics. Like once I'm getting into the zone of a page, I never want to stop and find the right reference because I'm like that's going to take me hours and that's time that I could be spending just drawing the thing wrong first <laughs> um, and so sometimes I do draw the thing wrong and then later on I have to go and spend two hours finding a reference and then redrawing it but anyway uh, sometimes I, <laughs> uh, I'll try to I'll try to think these things through a little bit in advance and spend some time like getting to know what I'm about to be drawing. So there's a setting in my comic, which is based on a part of Ontario, the province that I live in. And knowing that this setting was coming up, uh, I played a very long game and spent years uh, doing landscape studies of this place, uh, just like sitting down and painting in acrylics, like the trees and the rocks and stuff like that, just to kind of get a feel for what it, what it all looks like. And it's all very beautiful. And it's very nice to sit in nature and look at nature for a long time and have an excuse because now you're painting and nobody can tell you to come inside right away. Um, and it did help me kind of build, like going back to the idea of having a mental library, like now that's been added to my, my little Rolodex of things that I can pull out and draw quickly. And if you can't get into the wilderness right away, what I like to do as well is I love that you said, you know, draw the thing bad the first time, because what I'll often do is if I'm in a panel where I can't quite find the right reference or I'm struggling with a pose, I'll go into a sketchbook and I'll draw the thing there and I'll break it down to its fundamentals and I'll just draw it somewhere else. And then when I finally nail it there, then I just take a picture of it or I copy paste it over and then bam, I've got the thing without having to redraw it on the actual page. So definitely take a break from your pages or even have a, like have a separate notebook or 
sketchbook that is just for this so that it's when you open it up you aren't greeted by like oh look at this amazing drawing i just i did a while ago right next to pictures of blobs like have a sketchbook that's just blobs it's funny, I, I actually I forgot to mention that because I do have separate sketchbooks for different kinds of things. Like my life drawing sketchbook is a completely different one than the one that I use for like figuring out comic things and like sketching concept art or like doing weird experimental stuff. And then I have like a completely different third small sketchbook that I use for thumbnails and like layouts and taking notes and stuff like that. And all of this is also separate from where I do the actual like final work on the comic itself, which is my computer. But having all these different uh, mediums in which to work can get my my mind kind of thinking along different tracks. Like it helps me sort of settle into this. Well, I'm holding my thumbnail sketchbook. So obviously I'm about to thumbnail now. I'm in the mood for it because I'm holding it. I don't know. It's It's another trick I play on myself, I guess. Yeah, just keeping a sketchbook in general, I feel, is vital because you can do a bunch of observational drawings, studies, how to break things down without essentially having to do so in your comic. And I'll find a lot of ways on like doing sort of creative process um games with myself like I'll go and be like okay so here is this Gatorade bottle I just drank from I'm going to turn this into a building today it'll give you practice with the silhouettes and shapes and still coming out with something that is unique and maybe that you could even put in your comic somehow so I definitely think that creativity is an also just a fundamental thing that you actually do need to practice. And part of that is trying to find different ways of looking at things. And you can do that by looking at other people's work or going in with an intent of, I am going to make this random object into uh, something else. One of my favorite things is there's an artist, there's numerous artists on Twitter and Tumblr that will take like can openers or like kitchen utensils and turn them into spaceships. And I'm, I'm always like, wow, that's just, it's such a good exercise. And it's just, it's right up, right about, right on that. I love, I love those drawings. I know, the, I know the ones you mean, and they're the coolest idea. Um, I will, I will add one caveat to the sketchbook thing, which is that I absolutely recommend getting a sketchbook. But try not to make it a very fancy sketchbook because those can be scary in their own right. And the ideal goal of having a sketchbook that you just kind of keep on you all the time is that you can just scribble in it and you can make bad drawings and you can yeah. draw one circle in the corner of the page and then turn the page and leave it mostly blank and not feel bad about it. Like, don't feel bad about drawing in the sketchbook is <laughs> the goal. The way I get over having a really nice sketchbook is I go and I pick a random page and I take my most permanent pen and I just mark over it 
and ruin that page. And then I have to use the sketchbook because the sketchbook's ruined. <laughs> That's such a good idea, too. I always blaster the first two pages with, like, as many stickers as I can find. Oh, that's a great idea, too. Yeah, I tend to just do, like, a page. It's kind of like those old DeviantArt comments where it's like, first! And uh, I'll do a dumb drawing like that on the first one. And and it's always something silly or stupid and, and poorly rendered. But you know what? It's there. It's broken it in. It's it's now, now an inv- invitation to get dirty, mess around, and learn. Something that I think about doing, uh, which I haven't yet, but it's a free suggestion for anyone who, like, say, has gotten a new sketchbook that they haven't drawn in yet, and they're trying to figure out how to start it, um, is just to take every pen and, like, marker and crayon and weird pencil that you own and test test them one at a time with, like, a little line and then, like, try painting over each line to see, like, how the ink handles and whether it bleeds and stuff like that. I keep getting unpleasant surprises in new sketchbooks when I realize the first time I try to ink something that like oh the ink bleeds because the paper's too absorbent uh and then I always wish that I'd spent some time testing materials and that's just a a free way to do it that also breaks in the sketchbook yeah I highly recommend doing that that's what I do with any uh new paper that I work with because even if a pen is waterproof, depending on the paper, that's not necessarily true. Um, and another thing that I always do is you always want to test by doing a gradient as dark as you can on one side and as light as you can on the other. This gets you a feel for the tool and the the extremes that you can go with it. And... Um, I actually had a teacher that made me do it with every single hardness of pencil lead. And while that was really annoying, I usually only use two kinds of pencil lead for anything because I know exactly how dark I can go and how light I can go. Um, But it is definitely a good way to know the range of your tools. Um, especially if you're going to be using it to test things out. And it's also a good excuse to do like hash mark studies or shading studies, because then you can go, oh, well, I drew the sphere. Now I can shade the sphere and see how the tool works. But you're also studying fundamentals again and bringing it back into that that part of your practice. Um, So it's multitasking. Absolutely. So this is reminding me of something that this was never really a part of my practice, but I I had friends who studied uh, mechanical illustration and like fairly hardcore, like anatomical illustration for like scientific stuff. And there's a series of exercises that people can do, um, which involve uh, on like a sheet of paper, you draw two dots very quickly and then you draw a line connecting those two dots and then you draw another two dots and then you draw a line connecting those two dots and you just keep doing it to increase the accuracy of your like hand-eye coordination on the page because when you're going really fast it's actually surprisingly hard to like land that line exactly on the dots like you'll always be a little bit off center 
And then there was another exercise, which I think was you draw a little circle and then a slash through the circle, like as fast as you can. And you just fill a sheet with these little like circles and slashes. And then there's like another one that's like hatch three parallel lines and then hatch another three parallel lines. And the the folks I knew who actually spent like upwards of like half an hour to an hour doing this every day, like their control over their lines was absolutely impeccable. I don't have the patience for it, but uh, it is it is something that like people do spend time and it can make a difference if you make that part of your practice. Uh, however, I don't have the patience for it. So if you don't, don't feel bad. It's fine. That actually sounds like a good way to practice if you're hand lettering to me personally. It probably would be, now that you mention it. Anyway, that has been a goat cheese and roasted red pepper wrap. Uh, thank mm. you so much for listening. I've been your host, Varathane. You can check out my comics at chiralt.sevensmith.net and witchwoodcomic.com. And I've been Renny, and you can find my work at kateblast.com. And I've been Ray, and you can find my comic on Empyrean High at empyreancomic.com or Overlord of Ravenfell on Webtoon. And we'll see you later. And now, now to go practice. <laughs> We're never done with fundamentals. I'm gonna go draw a million circles. Thank you for listening to Screen Tones, a webcomic podcast. Want to know some other ways to support us? Check out our Ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash screentonescast, where your support will help us create more episodes, reach cool extra bonus goals, and keep us talking about anything and everything webcomics. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and our Discord server. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, rating, and supporting, and we'll see you next time.